This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I hope you've been enjoying our uh, last several weeks of uh, just sharing with you some of the recordings of uh, some of the special things that happened at Soto and hope it blessed you. I know it, it blessed me as I got to listen back to some of those great memories and glad that we have those recorded for, for future generations to enjoy. So, But we are back in our broadcast booth here. Uh, Talking about uh, what's hot on our on our mind, and this morning uh, I've, I'm here with uh, our founder Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Good morning. Welcome to you. Yeah, and uh, we uh, wanted you guys to know we've got a lot of a lot of exciting things happening with the curriculum that, that we're going to be letting you guys in on little by little, uh, and and we're really excited to talk about that and. Uh, uh, the, the, the journey process is not changing much, but there's a few modification enhancements that we're going to be letting you guys know about in, in coming weeks. But one thing I wanted to share with you is uh, about this new book that Rocky wrote that we, if you were at Soto, everybody at Soto got a, got a preview copy of that, and it's going to be part of our curriculum going into this fall season, but it's called An Orphan No More. And uh, Rocky, I thought our listeners out there might want to know a little bit about this book and 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 we can talk a little bit about how it's going to be integrated into the curriculum. But but I think more importantly is is why he wrote it and, and the heart of it. Because yeah. I think God really downloaded some things to you that you were, weren't even expecting. So, uh, so why don't you tell them a little bit about this book, for starters? I will, uh, Brian. Let me do it in a roundabout way. Okay. Uh, because, first of all, I think that anybody who might be concerned about journey being changed, uh, no, it's not going to be changed. It's the same. Uh, process that we've had for since since 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only modifications have been made to make it more user friendly, uh, and then also so that it can be enabled through uh, facilitation rather than teaching, uh, because we're concerned about it being organic and about it reproducing, and so to make disciples and and of course the whole concept is if you are a disciple, you make disciples. Mm-hmm. And so the concept of, of the journey is to make a disciple by bringing them into close proximity with Christ. But then there's a message that's been missing. And that message is, is that to be a disciple, we make disciples. Mm-hmm. And so we want to, to change the message a little bit. Not change it, but more emphasize the message a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So the journey is going to be emphasizing more of a complete uh, expectation of a disciple. And, and the equipping of that. So that's the only thing. It's not a lot. It's just some necessary things that were done. Well, and let me just stop you real quick. We So it kind of, it's interesting how God just is always moving us along and, and we don't ever know how it's happening, but he's always several steps ahead of yeah. us. But it kind of came out of a need because this ministry is becoming international and there's a lot of people requesting the materials in their language. And when we started looking at translation projects, two of the books in the, in the curriculum were not ours. And that that posed a problem for us to try to get those translated or find them in those languages. Cause a lot of them are almost out of print. Uh, Shepherd looks at Psalm 23 and secrets of the vine. So that kind of necessitated you thinking about writing a book yeah, uh, to replace that, the shepherd looks at Psalm twenty three for starters, and 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 the other one as well. But you know, again, when did we go to Egypt? What year? 
Well, original, 2007 originally. Yeah. Okay, 2007, and so the translation project began on that in 2006, uh, latter part 2005. Right. And so to to be able to translate those two books, who were that was part of our curriculum as a recommended reading, and that's that's all that is is recommended reading. It's not a part of the curriculum per se as much as it is a, an enhancement of understanding. Mm-hmm. But we had to purchase the rights to have that uh, translated and then buy rights to be able to publish 300 books that we gave away. Yeah. And so uh, early on, I started seeing that if God invited us as an international ministry, that we had to have all of the curriculum to be under the copyright of one source so that, that that permission is always granted. And by the way, how many languages are we in now? I think five or six. Five or six, yeah. and it's expanding mm-hmm. to more and more. And uh, and our philosophy has always been been to go where invited. Mm-hmm. And as you know, with all of our uh, translated material that's used internationally, we we allow them to keep the royalties to support the missionary work there. Mm-hmm. So we get no benefit; we just get pure cost. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's it's part of the expansion of the kingdom. That's our call. Mm-hmm. is to make disciples. And so, now with that said, if we were to continue to have books that would enhance the understanding of the journey, the nine-month process, then we those books needed to be under the copyright of this ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is that the Lord laid on, uh, after many years of understanding issues of abiding and also the... Uh, the enlightened series of the journey, the Lord has spoken to me about the need to write these two these two books that are replacement books for a better understanding of what we're trying to present. Mm-hmm. And as an example, let's talk about Orphan No More. Mm-hmm. The Orphan No More uh, is going to be used in the Enlightenment series, which is several weeks dealing with attributes of God. God knows, God cares, God's willing, God's able. God's mm-hmm. a God of grace. Those are attributes of, of, of God that we introduce to the to the participant and the scriptural basis and the learning to self-feed on that. And, and the whole purpose of that is helping them to understand that God is a personal God. He's an intimate God, and he invites us into an intimate relationship with him. It's not religion. It's relationship. And this mm-hmm. is the big difference that we're always hammering home. Mm-hmm. And so... The, the 23rd Psalms by Philip Keller, it was just an amazing book, wonderful book that I, I, I introduced back in 2001 to the first group. And I've always felt like it's a wonderful book. And it was to, it was to really unpack the, the, the a unique characteristic of God, and that is God cares, mm-hmm. like a shepherd, mm-hmm. a good shepherd. But the orphan no more deals with the God cares, but also the other attributes of God. So it, it's used to expand the whole enlightened series there. Mm-hmm. And so it was an opportunity uh, not to replace something, but to enhance. Right. And, and again, it's not the journey. It's, simp- it's an enhancement to the journey. It's, a, it's to help us understand better what it means that God is a God who knows and cares and is willing and able to be involved with every aspect of our life. And, and uh, Gabe is involved in, oh, yeah. the, in the teaching in this one, right? Oh, so. yeah. Same personality, same people, same voice, same flow. Mm-hmm. And if you go through the journey, you know you began with the first book, which is Journey Within a Chamber. That sets up the journey. 
And then that segues into an orphan no more. Mm-hmm. And that prepares uh, uh, the group for the Enlightened series. And uh, so, yeah, it was an opportunity. And, and again, I do believe that, that uh, my, my relationship with the Lord is like this. I hadn't got him figured out. <laughs> you know, I, he, he reveals more to me all the, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more to him to understand than I understand. And I am looking forward to having an eternity to get to know him better because mm-hmm. it's going to take that. Mm-hmm. But also understand that there are a lot of times I can't understand things because I haven't had enough life experiences. Mm. And so the Lord takes me through life experiences, which might be trials. It might be high points, low points, different points. Mm. But along the way, it makes me more teachable. It makes me understand precepts mm. that I didn't understand before. Have you ever read a scripture 10 years ago? And it spoke to you. You wrote it, read it five years later, and it spoke to you a different way. And, and ten years later, it spoke to you, and like, wow! Mm. But you needed that first understanding, mm-hmm. and he's been building on that. Well, that's what's happened here mm. with the journey. And I never have, you know, one thing that I have you have to understand about uh, my interaction with the Lord in the journey is I have never stepped up and said. Uh, that this is my stuff. Mm-hmm. From day one, I've said, this, you know, I'm the most unreasonable character in the world, and it has to be God doing this. I believe he's inspired it. I've, I've, I've put myself there and said, here I am, just tell me what you're right. And he gives me visual pictures. He gives me theology. He gives me the connection with all of those things. It's just that unique storyteller type of character that God created in me, but the theology of many years of, of discovery and self-feeding and, and operating within the boundaries of theology, God has just given me a, a unique ability to hear him and write it down. Mm-hmm. But I've always thought it was him. And so when this came along, I felt it was him say, do this. And when he says do it, then there's no other voice that I need to listen to. Well, and what I what I think is interesting is that it started out as a practical need mm-hmm. to write this book, but I think it led to some spiritual epiphany and blessing. Yeah. And and the biggest thing I think that's a surprise was this whole the the title gives it away a little bit, an orphan. orphan no more. This idea of the orphan spirit, which got you weren't planning on writing about that, I don't think. Well, it wasn't, but it, it goes before that too, Brian, and that is that one of the things that it was not neglected as much as it was not emphasized. And that is in the Enlightened series, you know, we, we talk about God knows, God cares, God's willing, God's able, right? Yeah. And all of that's unpacked in this book as, as, as Gabe is teaching the man and mm-hmm. teaches, giving him a foundation to look at to understand how, how that works. But what was neglected before was the, the importance of establishing the bedrock of grace that these attributes of God are built on. Mm-hmm. Because here's an example. I ask people all the time, you know, when I go through the theology of God knows everything about them, I say, how does that make you feel? <laughs> and they're scared to death. Mm. I ask them why. They say, well, I mean, that means I can't hide from him. It means that I can't do anything that he, he doesn't know I'm doing. And it just kind of scares me to think somebody has that kind of knowledge of me. 
I said, so here's the point. You got two points of view here. If he, if he's a traffic cop, then he's going to get you every time you break the rules because he knows it all. Mm-hmm. And but if he's a god of grace, he says to you that yeah, I know it all, but I'm not going to use that against you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that for you. How does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. And this is where this is where this book. Uh, inserts that information, that, that theology in the beginning. Because I think it's important for us to understand that the characteristics of God are built on the character of God is grace. Because grace is what doesn't use his knowledge against us. Grace is the one that says that he's, he, he cares about what he knows about. Grace is, makes him willing to do something about it, and grace makes him able. Mm. And so, yeah, those, that's the beginning uh, opening uh, difference in this book that was not in there before, and we have incorporated that within the journey mm-hmm. so that we can build that foundation mm-hmm. with these men and women who are, who are going through this discipleship process. Well, and then that led to... Uh the second part of that is, can people accept this? Can they really accept these truths that you're introducing about yeah. God? And, and a lot of people have a hard time with it. And, and you've discovered one of the main reasons yeah. is why. And that leads into the title of, of the book. And, uh, and it goes like this. As I was writing it, it, it was one of those, again, things that came out of nowhere. I did, I did, I'd never heard of it before, Brian. Never heard of it before. But I was, I was thinking about the number of men and women who have been, they, they go through all of this and then they, they begin to, they're just kind of afraid to go in to that deeper relationship with them. We call it the inner chamber. Mm-hmm. And they stand outside the inner chamber looking in and you ask them why. And they kind of don't know why, but they do know why, but they just don't want to say it. And I got to... I, as happens of writing this, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about my own life, what kept me from going deep. And I got to thinking of orphans, you know, that live on the streets. And I think of some of these <clears throat> third world countries and some of these bombed out cities like in different areas, and you know, a lot of parents are no longer there, and the children are left to wander on the street by themselves and, and these orphans develop their own little colony uh, and they they basically are survivalists and they learn to survive mm-hmm. by whatever means and one uh, rule is take care of yourself and can't trust anybody can't trust anybody and and still if you need to mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that makes an orphan have that mentality is because they don't think they're worthy to be loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they've got to take care of themselves. And so there are a lot of orphans that have been taken off a street and taken into homes to, be, to live with a family and to come sit around the table and eat a feast for that family and be incorporated in that family as an adopted child, totally mm-hmm. adopted legally. Mm-hmm. But the orphan sneaks food in under the table and puts it in their pocket to take it away and store it up mm. because they have the orphan spirit they're adopted but they have the orphan spirit 
And as I began to think through that, I was thinking, wow, yeah, that's a visualization that came to me that even though a child could be adopted into a family, that they don't, they still don't embrace coming to that family. Mm-hmm. And what is it that keeps them out? And I said, well, it's the orphan perspective, I guess. And I got to thinking, orphan perspective. I wonder if there's anything on the <laughs> in Google about orphan perspective. So I Googled it and no, but there was the orphan spirit. Mm-hmm. And this is something that has been kind of hidden way back there years ago. I guess some people that understood that, that there that is true, truly a, an orphan spirit. And what characterizes an orphan spirit is this, is one of the reasons why a child is on the outside looking in, even though they're legally adopted, mm-hmm. is because they don't think they're worthy of being loved. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. Not worthy to be loved. Now think about that from a spiritual standpoint. As we uh, began to get in touch with our own sense of, of sin and separation from God, and as we began to see the God of grace who built a bridge to us, and his name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, religion teaches us, well, we got to earn, earn his love. I mean, we've got to, if he gives us his love, we've got to work to keep it. Mm-hmm. You know, religion tells us that I got to be good and go to heaven. Religious tells us that, religion tells me that, you know, that, you know, I got to make myself good enough. Got to make myself holy. Mm-hmm. And righteous but grace says that doesn't you can't become righteous that way mm. you can't become holy that way you become holy and righteous only one way and that's by the gift of God you see I don't earn uh, God's love I'm granted God's love mm-hmm. I never deserve God's love but I'm made deserving of it mm. uh, because he made me deserve it. He, he paid the price for me to be loved by him unconditionally, and not as an orphan who's adopted, but as an orphan who is made a son. Mm-hmm. And so the difference is, is yes, we, we can be adopted in, into God's family because of salvation, because of of the grace of God, we recognize that, but we don't permit ourselves to come close because we don't think we deserve to be loved. Mm-hmm. And God revealed that to me. So in this book, um, this is beautifully unpacked by Gabe mm-hmm. as he has helps a man understand that that's a, a major obstacle in the way of this man moving into that deeper intimacy with Christ. He had to abandon the orphan spirit mm-hmm. and take on the sonship that God had given. Mm-hmm. You know, scriptures say this, that we are we're, we're members of the royal priesthood. We're joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, think of that royalty. Mm-hmm. I never thought of myself as, as royalty, but the scripture says that, you know, I'm the son of God and and therefore I'm a member of the royal priesthood. Mm. And if I see myself that way, then should I not see myself speaking that way, thinking that way, noble thoughts, noble actions? That's true nobility. Not the, not, not the monarchy uh, nobility that we see 
with kingdoms, kings and kingdoms and queens and all of that. The true nobility like Jesus, who laid down his crown, took on the role of a bondservant. Mm-hmm. That's the true noble uh, person that God's creating. And when we're in, adopted into his family, unless we go all the way and accept the sonship that he wants to give us, then we're going to be standing outside looking in. Mm-hmm. And that's where the book goes. And that's where a lot of men and women are. I think they, you know, they've been, they know they've been adopted, but they, they just there's something holding them back. They just don't think they can receive it. Well, you know, uh, Brian, let's get personal. Uh, and I'll start with me. I write from my own experience mm-hmm. and uh, and understanding that. And there was a point. There was a segue from that adopted mentality that was still an orphan to becoming a son. Mm-hmm. And, and now that I've identified it, I, I understand a little bit why I kind of, you know, fall back into that old way sometimes, and only to be reminded by him that, hey, you're my son, act like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I, I was personal. How about you? Well, I totally, I, 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 God was speaking this message to me even at the same time, he was downloading it to you, and you and I had never even talked about right. what you were writing about because you were in your writing mode, and I didn't know what you were writing. But he was telling me that um, he wanted to make me to be a spiritual father to some other people, mm-hmm. like he had plans for me. But I couldn't go there until I became a son. Right. In order to be a father, I had to be a son. And uh, and I, I started recognizing some of these orphan attributes in my own life because right. we actually had a couple orphans live with us a few years back and and they were just wounded you know and they never could really accept our family they just they just thought they were just hanging out there mm-hmm. you know a place to stay they couldn't accept being part of the family you know for yeah. whatever reason and uh, and God kind of showed me I was kind of like that sometimes with him yeah so uh, so yeah this is a message I think that, that a lot of people are are struggling with out there so I, th- I really hope this helps people kind of cross that threshold uh, so let me ask you this uh, when, when I hear the word attribute I think that's a positive aspect mm-hmm. uh, but I think you wanted to use attribute as a negative aspect so let's use the word symptom yeah okay so, symptom okay. so let's talk about what what would you say? based on your observation or symptoms of the orphan spirit? I think people who, uh, the lack of trust, we talked about that, can't Mm -hmm. trust people. They don't really trust people. So they're always kind of thinking someone's got an agenda all the time, you Mm -hmm. know. They don't, uh, they want to control everything because they got to, they're, they'll be taken advantage of if they if they don't control everything. Someone's going to sneak up on them and, and stab them in the back. Steal from them. Yeah, take from them. You know, so they got to like guard everything they got, right. their resources, right. their time, right. whatever right. it is. Right. Uh, you know, um, a lack of generosity. You know, kind of holding on tightly to everything that you know, just so so worried about losing what they got. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those are just a few that come to my mind. That, that's some good ones, too. And how about the issue of love? You think that uh, they really feel loved? Mm. Do they doubt love? Do they trust love that comes at them? And, and yeah, they don't. And and if they don't, I mean, it, it starts affecting your love flow to other people. It does. You start holding, withholding your love right. from people. So that's another interesting thing because, you know, at Soto, I spoke about about the grace situation and that, you know, God had, was, was speaking to the orphan spirit in me. And he was telling me, he said, son, he says, you know, uh, uh, you got a problem. I said, well, what's that? And he says, you're not giving away my grace. 
and I knew that I needed to. And he had been teaching me about when, when to forgive. I need to forgive others not because they deserve it, but because he deserves it, right? Yeah. And I had been doing that, and I'd been going along with it, and I was thinking, oh, I thought I was doing pretty good. And that Lord's kind of talking to me about this. And, and he went to the next statement. He says, you, you're doing some child abuse. And I said, I, I, don't think, I, I don't think I'm doing that. Who am I abusing? Mm. He said, you're abusing my son. I said, well, who? He says, you. You're abusing yourself. And he says, and you know, when I give you my grace, son, I want you to permit yourself to give yourself my grace. Mm -hmm. You've got to give grace to yourself if you're going to give grace to others. Because mm -hmm. it's, like it's like water that's flowing down a river. If you dam it up, it won't keep flowing. And you've got, and the river of grace that flows from me through to you to others has got to be first accepted by you. You've got to give yourself grace. Mm -hmm. And it was that grace that helped me, uh, and see it that way, that helped me to finally deal with the orphan spirit. Because I wouldn't let myself, wouldn't give myself permission. I felt like if I did, I'd, you know, somehow I'd lose the tension I needed to stay right. Which is the, the way the old Pharisees think. <laughs> Performance-driven Christians, you know, mm -hmm. you just won't you won't give yourself a break, and it never it never leads to good. It, it leads to burnout. It leads to frustration. Mm -hmm. it, it you don't you don't really become the kingdom thinker that you need to. So this whole thing of grace got has got to flow all the way, uh, not only from God to you in me. And through me, but to me, mm -hmm. myself to me. Yeah. And when that happens, then we began to, uh, we're no longer standing on the porch looking through the window at the kids around the banquet table with the father. And we're looking at him thinking, oh boy, I wish I could go in there. The door opens for us, and there's a seat right next to him. He says, come sit next to me, my son, mm. an orphan no more. Mm. You know, I, we're getting close to the close here, but I'm just thinking of a Bible story that, that I think it connects. But uh, you remember uh, David was best friends with Jonathan, mm -hmm. and they just had a, such a love for each other and a bond. And then uh, David went on to be king, and Jonathan passed away. And David had made a promise to take care of his descendants. And uh, it was years later, and it was one of his grandsons, I believe, Mephibosheth, mm -hmm. who was a cripple. And, and was living a very meager life over here. And David found out there was a descendant left, and he tells his people to go get him and bring him. And from now on, he's going to eat at the king's table. Yeah. From now on, he, he and his family are part of the family. And they brought it, and everything changed one day. It was kind of like the publisher's clearinghouse showing up yeah. at your doorstep, <laughs> you know, and saying, from now on, you're invited in. You know, and I'm sure, I can, I can just picture the scene, but to me it's a picture of what, you know, Jesus is inviting us to yeah. the table. You know, and, and that was radical then because the culture back then pretty well demanded that all heirs be killed. So they would have no claim to the throne. That's right. And uh, that, that went on for centuries. Because he was kind of Saul's heir. It's still you know. that way some places. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, but and that that's the typical way they did it. And uh, But David had to take a lot of risk in doing that, but he had a kingdom's heart. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, 
And, you know, he's, he was beloved by, and, and see, you know, that's the kind of stuff that made God say of David, you're a man after my own heart because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you showed mercy. But I'm just thinking of how many men and women are feel like Mephibosheth. Mm-hmm. They feel kind of crippled. They feel forgotten. They feel like, who am I? You know, am I really worthy of the king's table? You know, they. I've heard about all these things. I've heard of the goodness and all that, but it's not for me. It's for someone else. Well, Brian, you know, honestly, I think that, I hate to say this, but I, I kind of think majority mm-hmm. uh, process at, at that point in their life at some point, either they get through it or they're still on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I think that we're all orphans of the world. Yeah, We all come into the world, even with the best of parents, uh, we're orphans of the world. Mm-hmm. And even the best of upbringing and the best of values, you, you still have that unworthiness, that sense of unworthiness there that uh, is always with us. And and probably the people that are the most downtrodden are the ones that escape it the quickest because they want out. Mm-hmm. And then the ones who, you know, they, they think they're really good guys and good women, you know, that they might have a hard time realizing they really do have some struggles there. And then they go on for a long time. And but there there is a breakthrough, and when they when there is a break when the breakthrough is made, then it is like that picture I just told you. You've got an orphan that's been adopted who's standing on the porch, looking in the window at a table, a banquet table with the most wonderful foods around it, and all kind of children around it, and the then the father's at the head of the table, and he's loving them and feeding them. And this orphan who's adopted, looking in the window, fully legally adopted, but standing on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think majority of people are until they come to know their Abba, mm-hmm. their daddy, mm-hmm. their father God, mm-hmm. and they accept their sonship. Right. And when I say sonship, that also includes daughtership. Yeah. And when we do that, there's a breakthrough, and then our life goes into an, another zone mm-hmm. of understanding and peace and um, and disciple-making, honestly. And, and I think abiding. Right? Well, that's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you start getting the connection to abiding. That's, that's what right. that is. That's, that's where right. it leads right that's there. That's right. Well, I think that that's good. I think that gives them a little... Uh, taste, a little appetizer of what this book's going to be about. And uh, any of you who go through the journey this fall, it'll be part of your curriculum. It'll be part of the journey pack. And uh, so now it's it's available now. Um, so if anybody's interested to, to, to read it, you can order it at our influencer store, of course. But uh, really excited how this is going to fit into the curriculum and the journey process, which there's actually, an, we'll, we'll go over this later, but there's actually a session on the yeah. orphan spirit that we've inserted into the yeah. curriculum. So uh, right. we'll talk about that when we talk about the new manual. So, uh, but anyway, so uh, thank you, Rocky. Um, again, all of you out there, uh, information about the book and, and about the ministry and all that is, is always available at, at our website, influencers.org. Uh, we have a store. We also have podcasts where you can re- listen to other podcasts we've had. You can also find blogs and other resources for you on, on your uh, journey and as you go about making disciples. But uh, anyway, uh, we hope you 
hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. And uh, we uh, we try to do this once a week. And if, there, if there's ever anything you'd like to hear us talk about, you can send us an email at podcastquestions at influencers.org uh, and just send your request. And uh, we'll, we'll try to honor, honor requests like that. So anyway, this has been the Influencers Network podcast. And I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director. I've been your host. And I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. We'll see you next time. God bless.